Hey guys, welcome back to uh, the India Independent Films podcast. Uh, it's me, Rahul Desai, film critic for Film Companion, back with my friend and fellow film critic Uday Bhatia, who writes for the Mint Lounge. And today we are going to become total nerds. We are going to be discussing uh, the one passion both of us share. For those who aren't really acquainted with Uday or me, like work, let me just uh there's a running joke uh, with our friends and with us that you know uday is sort of the uh classical sort of guy who likes his nice friends black and white new wave cinema and a lot of old stuff he probably types on a typewriter and i am the modern teeny bopper kinds who types on laptops and drinks beer uh, but the one thing we do share in common is uh, our passion for sports movies and we have uh, a bunch of sports movies we'd like to talk about today. Of course, it's ironical there is no sports uh, around, which is getting us all the more emotional and nostalgic. I'm going to throw it to Uday. We are going to be discussing uh, 10 of our favorite sports films. Uh, when I say that, it's not going to be the usual suspects. I don't mean the movie usual suspects. I mean, it's not going to be the popular sports films like, you know, the Rocky and the Chariots of Fires and the Moneyballs and the Sea Biscuits kinds. It's going to be personal movies that both of uh, that sort of uh, brought both of us into this genre uh, uh, in our childhoods or throughout, uh, uh, you know, throughout our careers. Uh, these are personal choices. They may not be the best sports films, but they are uh, some of our favorite sports films. Uh, hi, Uday. Welcome back. Uh, hi, Rahul. Uh, thanks for that introduction. You uh, yeah. have scared away whatever meager readership I, I have. Uh, that's uh, a no, but uh, it is true that this genre uh, is I, it's like uh, comfort food for the two of us. As in, like, if we have to go back and play a, you know, a film that we are familiar with and we don't need to concentrate too much on, but that will just generally uh, lift our spirits, then it's usually a sports film, I think, for both of us. Yeah. And... Um, yeah, and we uh, we we had uh, ten. <laughs> uh, we we did ten picks each, and uh, we only overlapped on two, which I thought was pretty good. Uh, I, I thought that I thought there'd be more overlaps, but uh, again, like just a genre that's um, very connected to growing up much before we were interested in film, like like anything close to a vocation or uh, just, you know, growing up and on cable, you watch these not particularly good, but still very satisfying films. And uh, it's it's fun to see them now. A lot of them have turned up on Hotstar recently. So uh, I think a couple of our picks, you can head to Hotstar and watch those after that if you haven't already seen them. Uh, I'll start off with a, with a film called uh, White Men Can't Jump. It's, uh, it's a 1992 film. Um, it's, it's basically a, it's, it's sort of a, a sports comedy with uh, Woody Harrelson and uh, Wesley Snipes. And they play, uh, they play basketball hustlers. Um, they sort of play street ball and uh, they basically uh, tell uh, pull people around them into thinking that uh, they don't know each other and then they place bets and then people around them place the bets and the 
the whole joke is that Woody Harrelson looks like he can't play basketball, but he's actually really good. So they mm-hmm. and they sort of team up. That and uh, uh, it's it's a really smart film. You can see the influence of uh, of Spike Lee and uh, Do the Right Thing came came out a few years before that, and it it has that sort of Spike Lee crazy talkative energy. It is, this film has some of the best trash talk that you will get in any sports films. Harrelson and Wesley Snipes are just just going at each other. It's 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 quite something, and. Um, uh, the director, uh, this guy called Ron Shelton, he's actually a really um, uh, good sports film director. He had this um, baseball film called Bull Durham, uh, yeah. which was okay. uh, really good. Yeah. And uh, and another one called Tin Cup, uh, ah, which is about it. golf. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, and I think he was a he, he was an athlete himself. I think he played some baseball. Ah, so he really has a feel for the for the sports film, even though it's it's not a like he he does comedies mostly, and they're these really brash, uh, sort of entertaining films. But they uh, they really work. Like uh, I think because he has that sort of background as an athlete, he knows how they talk and you know the jealousies that they have and how they keep trying to you know, one up each other. So Woody Harrelson is actually good at basketball. Yeah. Yeah, so that that's uh, so Wesley Snipes basically it it starts with Wesley Snipes himself getting um, uh, you know hustled by Woody Harrelson, ah, okay. uh, and then after that they join forces and they fool other people. Woody Harrelson is literally the most unlikely basketball star I can think of right now. <laughs> he's very he's very good in this. I, I don't know. Amazing. Uh, Shocked I haven't seen this film because I'm a, I'm a big Woody Harrelson nut in general. But uh, yeah, I'm just trying to imagine him in those basketball shorts and sort of like killing it uh, in what is really not a white man's game, which is great. Uh, I'm what, what amazes me about this, that now that you mentioned this film and uh, you mentioned Wesley Snipes in this film. Yeah. Uh, I'm amazed how many sports films Wesley Snipes has yeah, actually done. That's, that's <laughs> true. He's like on like at least two or three on this list and in general, even though he was like this action star kind of guy, it's amazing the amount of sports films he's done. Like I, I was just going through because a lot of these sports films, even when I was watching them in my childhood, I didn't know names back then. You know, I didn't, I couldn't tell Wesley Snipes was Wesley Snipes or say a Harrelson was someone like that. But come to think of it now, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm quite amazed at it. Um, so yeah, my first film is... I think even Uday, you share uh, the love uh, for this film, which is Cool Runnings. Uh, <laughs> which is, um, I'm going to be honest, this is my first ever sports film. At least as far as my memory takes me back, this is probably the first sports film I've ever watched. Before like, before the Rockies, before like the Jojita Oi Sikandas, before everything. This is my first memory of a sports film and it's bizarre that it's a sports film about a Jamaican bobsled team. Uh, and this is literally my comfort food in every way. I still watch it many, many times. And back, you know, back when I watched this in the early 90s as a kid, uh, this entire true story of the Jamaican bobsled team, Jamaica and bobsled sort of making it to the 1988 Winter Olympics. Uh, I mean, I was, pre- I was I had this obsession with West Indies, the cricket team back then in the 90s. 
so this was sort of a natural extension of that and i was very fascinated by this film for that reason and i remember uh, john candy who plays the white coach in this uh, the disgraced coach stereotype basically the uh, i recognized him from home alone because that's the only place i'd seen him in and whenever yeah. i see john candy throughout my childhood in the 90s in any other film i'd be like oh this is the cheater this is the cheater who redeemed himself which is amazing because he, he his his role in this film as the as the disgraced olympian who sort of leads this unlikely team of jamaicans to sort of uh, the winter olympics uh, is i mean it just sort of uh, imprinted into my mind in many ways but what i did notice much later in life i think a couple of years ago after you know being obsessed with cool runnings for most of my adult life i watched this film called eddie the eagle uh, udai have you seen that no 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 but i know uh, of it yeah so eddie the eagle has taron edgerton who recently played elton john uh, it has taron edgerton playing this britisher called michael edwards who qualifies as the only british ski jumper uh, in the winter olympics again what i noticed much later is that these two films cool runnings and eddie the eagle were sort of connected because both took place at the 1988 calgary olympics and uh, edwards was sort of like this laughing stock there who became like an icon was you know the so bad it's good athlete in a way because any jump he took was a new british record and the uh, film actually does a very very good job of sort of introducing him as this unlikely clown who sort of becomes like this feel good story at the olympics of course you jackman plays his disgraced coach basically john candy's role and it's not the only uh, disgraced disgraced coach you uh, jackman plays because he did it in real steel also actually whenever i think of you jackman he's always drinking and uh, he's always sort of playing these washed out uh, mentors but um, yeah but uh 1988 winter olympics might have, m- must have been something because you know to have a jamaican bobsled team and a british british ski jumper must have been quite something you got two films out of it and you know both films are really really unusual because we are mostly used to seeing a lot of you know summer sport films as such but i'm somehow very unusually attached to these uh to these winter olympics films yeah i um, it's it's just it's it's a very silly film uh, and it knows that it's a silly film yeah. but it's just done with a lot of heart and uh, the it's it's hilarious there's uh, especially there's this uh, the one uh, the actor who plays uh, sanka <laughs> sanka ragi dag uh it, it just uh, i mean that that guy is so funny Uh, and uh, i i was seeing the film after years because it's just uh, it's just landed up on hotstar so i i may have been seeing it after two decades and i was you know i was, I was thinking it probably not going to hold up and uh, i still found it really funny oh it's really funny yeah now that you mentioned sanka yeah i love um, i mean there were stereotypes in that film that knew that they were stereotypes and it just does the basics so cleanly so coolly uh i'm pretty amazed and in both films i noticed in eddie the eagle and in cool runnings you have these norwegian swedish sort of superstars who give who's like start out as like these black clad villains and end up as these 
grudging uh, sort of uh, fans of the protagonist which is a great thing because you know this this entire bond villain stereotype that plays into these sports films where you get these blonde aryan race blue eyes sort of athlete yeah. who are supposed to be the greatest winter olympians ever and all from those countries the uh, north european uh, european countries and uh, yeah and both these films have so much in common and it's just like separated by more than two decades but you know the soul is the same watch uh, since we are uh, since we're on uh, west indies uh, let's um, i i'm going to segue over to fire in babylon uh which yeah. is um, uh, again uh, uh, it's a, a film about uh, west indies cricket team of the uh, 70s and 80s the great perhaps the greatest uh, the greatest uh, yeah. uh, cricket team series of cricket teams ever uh, put together yeah. and uh, it's uh, it's it's a 2011 documentary by an uh, by an a british director called stephen riley Yeah. and uh, so the, the thing for me was that uh, you know i had started watching cricket properly in the in the 90s and uh, the the 90s west indies team was really good but i uh, you know the people who grew up in the 70s and 80s and knew that team they were always like oh you know you didn't see them you know you you didn't see holding yeah. and marshall all this you know uh, richards and everyone you know I, I, when they were all playing together and uh, uh you know so uh, this uh, when i saw this documentary it kind of uh, made clear to me how you know why they were that great like what the context was and where the team was before it took that ascendancy and how clive lloyd sort of built this team up in his own image like this you know almost like a patriarch yeah. and uh, it's it's just a very uh, uh cleanly made really well done documentary uh, it's uh, it has a lot of uh, talking heads but all of them are from the west indies yeah. so you don't have uh, you don't have uh, people from outside uh, other cricketers other nations cricketers commenting which would have I, I think kind of muddied the the narrative because yeah. you know you, it's 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 very much like telling the story of a people uh, as well as telling the story of that. Uh, what it uh, had had you seen it uh, when it came out? I watched it a couple of years after it came out, and obviously by now it's widely considered one of the best sports documentaries ever made, and I can. totally understand why in fact we are even like sports fans like us cricket fans like us are still reminded of the 70s and the 80s west indian teams especially by you know our parents and you know their generation and this documentary put into context a lot of that and it gave me such a uh, it gave me uh, personally such a big insight into as you said a people and how they were interconnected to a sport and how um, because you know as you said in the 90s when when i started getting obsessed with the west indies they were already on the downturn as such you know they were at the end of their dominance and i'm seeing i mean my favorite cricketer ever is brian lara but you know he came into the next generation he wasn't part of that team you know uh, so yeah i mean this sort of gave me a very strange kind of closure for not having witnessed that era but for having witnessed the end of it and savoring 
what you know savoring sort of the aftermath of the era and taking it into my adulthood because they're still my favorite team even though they are probably the worst team in the world right now but um, you know it's just um, yeah i i remember uh, watching this documentary a couple of years after it came out and uh, it stayed with me and even though I've, i we we lately been watching a lot of sports documentaries uh, especially on these streaming platforms and all this is one that came out before all the streaming platforms before the netflix and the amazons started introducing the michael jordan documentaries and the f1 documentaries so yeah it's a great pick and uh, i mean to anyone who hasn't seen it you know what are you waiting for um yeah i'm my next picks are i i'm going to again take twin picks because you know per sport i'm going to go one of them is obviously your pick with uh, one of them is major league and one of them is angels in the outfield both are baseball films uh again this for me both of these films have much more to do with the sort of initiation they brought i mean they they gave me into the sports film genre they aren't great films but they are trashy good films and i i still love it even now and there are a lot of clips available on youtube they are still uh, available to stream angels in the outfield personally was my first baseball film i saw uh, i'm talking about the 1994 one not the 1953 classic uh, the 94 one was what i uh, sort of hold very dear to my heart it had a very young uh, preteen joseph gordon lewitt before he became joseph gordon lewitt uh, as a playing a foster child who sort of becomes a good luck charm uh of this ragtag baseball team called the California Angels and uh, because it's because he has this sudden power of seeing angels helping the team it's sort of like a reverse chamatkar in a way uh, you know like um, and christopher lloyd plays the angel who helps the team uh, and danny glover danny glover was for me at that point of time he was still like the action guy and same like wesley snipes in a lot of films and i love that he did this film because he played such a paternal character for a change and i wasn't used to uh, seeing him in this kind of role and uh, th- this film is just uh, it just associated with a i mean it's again it's not as good as the original because i did see the original much later i am very biased to this one uh, but again it's 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 just very i think it did some things very cleanly it ha- had the whole uh, it had the whole orphan adoption sort of becoming like a, a feel good sort of coming of age story done very well that too. and it was the first time i had seen baseball as a sport and i actually in the mid 90s got quite pretty obsessed with baseball as a sport despite living you know in india in like ahmedabad and i, I remember trying to introduce a lot of my friends to baseball after watching these bunch of films bec- and you know we used to play with hockey sticks instead of baseball bats because nobody <laughs> had it and uh, uh, yeah and uh, you know my first video games too were baseball like those small mega those i don't know i think the sega games or something uh, yeah it, it used to be inspired from mostly from my insp- from my memories of angels in the outfield major league uh, uh, you talk about a bit and um, i'd i'll just chime in yeah so uh, again as as rahul just pointed out it's it's uh, it's it's pretty much a a very trashy film but <laughs> it's a smart trashy like it 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 absolutely knows uh, what it's going for at which part and and uh, the the director has actually written some very uh, 
some very uh, famous screenplays. He wrote The Sting uh, with uh, Paul Newman and Robert Redford, and he wrote Sleepless in Seattle uh, many years later. And uh, so he, uh, you know, he he absolutely knows what he's doing. And if you, uh, uh, one thing that struck me when I I just sort of uh, had a look at it a couple of days ago, yeah. and um, the the opening is is very much. Uh, you know uh out of tune with the rest of the film it's a very uh, sober opening very blue collar uh it's done to a, a randy newman song right yeah on and uh, it's um, it, it's it's almost just like it's it's a reminder that you know these are the the fans these are the people who will come and see Uh, a, a team, no matter how bad it is, which is a running joke through the film that they have those like uh, two or three fans who sort of keep following yeah. them, even <laughs> though they're they're the worst team in, in the major league. So that that is basically the premise of the film that uh, there's this team that's uh, that that's absolutely terrible and uh, it's got these aging players and and into that come two young hot shots uh one player yes. like west wesley snipes <laughs> who just turns up yeah he literally just shows up in the film like <laughs> uh with no uh, nobody called him to audition he just sort of turns up and tries out uh and uh, the other is played by charlie sheen yeah uh and uh, the, it's um, it's something you know for people who who wonder you know why charlie sheen uh, was such a big deal and they've only seen like two and a half men and they haven't seen his uh, 80s 30s 90s stuff yeah you know there's a sort of goofy uh, charisma about him out here and in hot shots and things like that yeah uh, which sort of defined that era of commercial filmmaking at least for me because you know a lot of his films would somehow land up on tv and i'd watch all of them charlie sheen is yeah. huge at that time yeah yeah totally and that's that's how they treat his character here right i mean he's this ex con who basically introduced me to the song wild thing in this film because you know he has this uh, it's like the crowd go crazy i still get goosebumps when i uh think of it because and and towards the end he has this you know geeky sort of like stylish glasses that he wears and i mean the running joke is that you know he's sort of called the wild thing because of his history and towards the end if you remember there's this uh in the final game even though the owner wants them to lose wants them to be the worst team there's this moment in the end where charlie sheen the coach brings in charlie sheen uh towards the end and he makes this grand entry to you know wild thing like starting with an electric guitar riff and the crowd going crazy and singing the song and you know his walk from the dressing room to the middle of the pitch he's a pitcher in this to the middle of the pitch is literally made so long so that the crowd can finish singing the song you know <laughs> every time the camera is on the crowd and they're going into next stanza next stanza and they, it cuts back to charlie sheen and he's still walking he's still walking he's, it's like the slowest walk ever and that that's the first like big entry and you're totally right about you know his aura back in the late 80s and early 90s and this film actually used that uh, used that in every sense possible especially with you know this entry theme that he had 
uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah, I think it's very much like a tribute to to the fans, like this this film, because it's very much about the idea of sticking with the team. Like once you've committed to a team, you just stick to it, no matter how badly they're doing. Yeah. I think that's something that, and and you know, the team also feels it, and you know, they want to do well for their fans. I think that's kind of like, I mean, it's a very silly, uh, funny film. But I think that's maybe like the slight emotional core of it. Yeah, um, West Indies fans would totally relate to that. <laughs> <laughs> low blow. Yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, yeah, we'll. Uh, I'm sticking with baseball for my uh, my next pick. Um, mm. I'm going to go with uh, Richard Linklater's Everybody Wants Some. Yeah. Uh, I'm really. Pick. Yeah, film that both of us really like. Yeah. Uh, it's, uh, I mean, for me, it was, uh, I was really excited for this because it's, uh, it was billed as a, as a spiritual sequel to one of my favorite films of all times, which is Linklater's Dazed and Confused, um, uh, which yeah. is, um, again, that's, that's a, that's a high school film. This is a college film. Yeah. Um, but uh, that, that film also had like one great baseball sequence uh, in which uh, you know there's just like a, a a little league game where this uh, where this guy is pitching and and you could see even in that that you know Linklater had that sort of eye for the rituals of of sport yeah. and the, you know the way people talk and the way they sort of congratulate each other and then they say good game good game good game you know after after the after the game's yeah. over yeah. and uh, and linklater of course was an athlete himself who kind of then went towards the arts and and film so and you can see him sort of split himself both aspects of himself in into the uh, into the main character in everybody wants some who's a right. who's a college freshman and uh, he's a he's a baseball uh, he's a baseball player and he's just joined the team and this is uh, set in 1980 uh, in texas and uh, so he's he's basically a jock but he also kind of he he's he's a very self aware kind of kid and he wants to hang out with the rt theater types also so you can see linklater kind of bringing both aspects of his personality and kind yeah. of just living i'm guessing something close to maybe his own uh, college experience through yeah. the character yeah. yeah this for me like uh, i'm i'm i was actually pretty surprised when i saw this in your list because for me in my head when i watched everybody wants some the last thing it was in my head or the last thing i took away from it was that it was a sports film as such but now that you mention it he did literally have like probably the most lived in eye for baseball amongst a lot of american sort of uh, famous american directors and it's it's actually yeah it for me it sort of uh, exemplifies the college experience and and not, you mentioned it it's just it's one of those uh, i mean it's one of those films where you know you you literally slot it into a lot of genres and it it fit in right yeah i like the idea that uh, you know he's kind of giving us a glimpse of what sports guys sports jocks whatever they do yeah. when they're not playing yeah that's so 
they're playing all these stupid games uh, yeah. in 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 their uh, in their home uh, in the pad which they have just yeah. to sort of blow off steam because they have so much energy and they don't know what to do with it so they're just like one upping each other all the time with these uh, ridiculous games yeah. and uh, they're boozing and they're just going around and and you you can see you know it's it's even before they kind of reach the field which is a great thing because he he doesn't show us any uh, uh, he does he doesn't show us any uh, games like any uh, he doesn't show us any rival teams we yeah. only see them at practice it's a it's an extended uh, sort of thing i think it's about 20 minutes or so and in which and you and you just see them at practice yeah it's hardcore it's really hardcore yeah and i think that's one of the only uh, sports fans i've seen which would do that which is not get your team onto a proper field against a rival yeah so it's, yeah. it's sort of uh, it's it's pretty much like what happens in sport when the cameras are not right yeah yeah and that that that's actually a great uh, way to put it because even for me it was like these guys that we see in this film uh, the sports jocks as we call them are literally almost villains in any other teen romcom and those other high school films that we see they are always the bad guys in that film and we never look past their you know dumbness or their thick-headedness and their you know we are going to booze and we are going to uh, you be these crazy sort of heartthrobs in quarterback type in school uh, so yeah this sort of humanizes that stereotype and really puts as you said like tells us what happens when the camera is not on these people and uh, yeah it's actually a great pick my uh, my next pick uh, i know i've sort of uh, very nostalgic about tin cup which is a golf film but i'm going to actually go with another pick uh, which i am shocked that i forgot earlier but i have to include warrior gavin o'connor's warrior um which a lot of uh, bollywood watchers will remember unfortunately as the dharma production remake called brothers starring siddharth malhotra and akshay kumar as uh, mma fighters but warrior was the original and gavin o'connor is again one of those sports directors we call uh, very quintessential basic fundamental guy who has like a sort of um, a sense of the pulse of a sports film and you know um, he, his latest film also stars ben affleck as like this down and out drunken basketball coach called way back home and uh, yeah and he he really does the bollywood drama the way it should be done because it's amazing bollywood never really figured it out themselves hindi cinema indian cinema but uh, but gavin o'connor is really what a lot of us aspire to make from here and uh, warrior was my personally my favorite sports film of the last 15 years uh, because you know it was sort of a sports film family drama uh, about two brothers it for, in my opinion it has tom hardy with a career best performance uh, as the younger brother it has joel edgerton as the older brother and nick nolte playing the alcoholic father yeah. is easily the it's easily the most sort of uh, authentic portrayal of alcoholism i have seen even within the mainstream sports drama like this you know because uh, there's so much history 
in the film on each of their faces that you know the sport itself the mma the mixed martial arts becomes sort of an extension of of you know what we are sensing the read between the lines uh, tension between all the three characters and uh, i love the way the sports was sort of paced and shot especially the last 15 minutes the way it builds up to a crescendo in the final match when both the brothers face off for uh, the title is you know it's some of the best sports filmmaking some of the best editing some of the best uh, just the i mean just the sense of rhythm he has towards the end with you know like somehow managing to bring out sort of the human side in both brothers and the family drama and the sports uh, story at the same time warrior i mean i i can watch it as many times as possible and it's just never going to get old and even though a lot of films sort of have uh, the same template i i don't think it's been done in such a uh, in such a sort of a naked brutal manner as this film does right right no absolutely and and as you said he just has a you know he has a knack for for the sports film even the way back which is so cliche it's so basic it's there is there is no sports film cliche that he hasn't used in that again you know alcoholic coach and yeah and <laughs> underdog team and it's just uh, but but it it works he he has that uh, he has that feel for you know that that desperation to sort of push yourself just a little bit more i think he uh, he he gets that instinct yeah really well. would you like to do the honors for uh, the next pick remember the titans <laughs> oh boy yeah we we could do, we could do the podcast only on this yeah only on this <laughs> <laughs> i it, it's 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 well possible that i may have seen this film more times than any other film ever i never I, thought i'd hear that you say something like that but i am um, bearing my soul out here <laughs> it's uh, it's true i i i watched it so much and again this is uh, this is something i miss about sort of watching tv on tv which you know i no longer do and yeah yeah uh, same it's it's like you know when uh, when you have to actually go and look for something and then play it the chances are that you know you you'll go for something new or you'll get distracted by something else but uh, with uh, with this it came so often on tv it just played so much star movies uh, yeah and, and and i'd watch it every single time so i i know this one pretty much inside out it's yeah. a it's a film from 2000 by uh, boaz yakin uh it's uh it's about um, uh the uh and the 1971 season of uh, pc williams uh, in in virginia and uh, the college football and uh, it's uh, basically denzel washington plays uh, a coach uh, and he's uh, he's their first um, uh, african american coach and the uh, but Uh, there is a lot of tension between uh the coaching staff and and the the black and white players on the team 
and uh, it's it's how they sort of come together and uh, sort of uh, and find find their sort of collective identity uh, and that's basically the film and it's 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 very much like as as you know in uh, like a it's almost like you know as we one would think of a bollywood film in the sense very melodramatic very sentimental but yeah. it is done so well it just hits every emotional beat so hard yeah and um, i mean it also has i mean denzel washington playing the most denzel washington role ever like i cannot think of him in any other role i mean i watched it very early on like in my college days too and i haven't really been able to shake off his authoritarian craziness in this film even though he's done like far superior roles in a lot of other films including sports films it just it yeah. all comes together as you say and it's just one of those things and the whole racial tension thing and the uh, very sort of and i was reading you know i was reading recently the comparison to real life and what the film has dramatized and yeah. how much of it is authentic pretty much nothing was authentic <laughs> <laughs> the film took it to such a like every question i'm seeing was did then did the uh, coach boon wake them up at 3 am and take them for a like a 20 mile run no did he do this no did the uh, sports captain lose uh, you know get paralyzed and you know were he, was he best friends with you know the other african american guy no they were friends but no so i love that it's sort of taken every possible creative license and made such an effective film that we immediately understand that even though real life was nothing like it this is exactly yeah. how it might have played out in our mind later because and and you know um for a lot of people it was also like for me it was my first sight of ryan gosling as the sidey white player in it like a lot of people didn't see him in that film but he was just there he barely had any lines no one was... could have predicted seeing ryan gosling in that film that he would have gone on to be a star it yes. is not possible he plays the plays like a doofus yeah. he's the most unimpressive character in that film i mean the kids were better than him because both the daughters were amazing stars in this like hayden panetter playing like you know the football obsessed daughter of the assistant coach the you know basically the white coach and you know then it being her finding like a sort of polar opposite in the black daughter who is actually very feminine i loved hayden panetter's performance in this the way she is sort of going play to play in the audience in the sort of in the crowd and you know sort of helping denzel washington and prompting him and being the being that nerd most of us were as cricket fans in our teens too uh, right. yeah i mean it gets pretty much every character so spot on obviously all these faces sort of feel like a montage right now but as you said i can pretty much recite this film by heart and great soundtrack again just like a line of like 60s 70s hits oh, yeah, totally one after the other but each one of them just like perfectly timed and uh, yeah and uh, it's just uh, i i think uh, another thing uh, i uh, i thought this film does really well and which like every good sports film i think does this which is that you actually remember uh, 
each character's name the major characters names uh, the teammates mm. at the end of the film it's not just like the star and maybe like one other guy yeah. you actually remember like you know not the actors names but at least the characters names in this because they they're so good at uh, you know the, this film is so good at making them memorable even if they have like one scene or one quirk they yeah. they still did that really well so you come out of it like knowing like at least seven to eight people on the team easily yeah yeah absolutely and uh, i mean yeah it's easily yeah it's it's probably the most addictive american football film for me too uh, one of my um, i mean a companion piece to this film for me uh, would be the via marshal which is basically matthew mcconey playing the coach and again playing the most matthew mcconey role ever as the coach of the of a football team in a town that is struck by tragedy basically the uh, thundering herd marshall football team university team of 1970 uh, have a plane crash the entire team passes away and it's up to matthew mcconey who is an outsider who comes into the town to assemble a team and you know sort of give them hope not assemble a champion team it's not about winning like it is about in remember the titans it's about a greater sort of they do the whole greater cause thing very well where uh, he tries to bring back hope in a very broken small town in west virginia again both of these films happen in 1970 71 in fact the team that uh, that um, the tc williams of remember the titans faces in their 1971 state final is also a marshall football team it's 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 i think it's a high school team but it's from the same region as uh, this parallel universe film that via marshall is sort of unraveling in and uh, yeah and it's i remember some very distinct scenes from via marshall even though i haven't seen it as much as remember the titans but uh, some of my favorite scenes includes I mean, there's this one scene where McConey and his, again, his assistant coach, who's, who's the guy in Lost, I forgot his name. Uh, Matthew Fox. Yeah, Matthew Fox, and they, I mean, they have no hope, so they sort of go to other schools to ask for help. And one of the schools, I think he goes to one of the champion team schools, the coaches for help to, uh, to find out a new play and you know to get some video tapes to help him. And the new coach immediately. tells him to you know knock himself out go into the video room and watch as much as he wants i mean it was these little moments that even you know even now when i watch it it makes me tear up and the best scene in this film had the university president who yeah. goes to the who goes to the nca in the middle of the night he drives across cross country almost and he goes and he begs the uh you know whatever the sporting panel or the university panel to sort of change the rules for the team uh, to include freshmen into the team and uh, you, you know the the actor to playing this university president had such a almost a tragic face so uh, so you know yeah. uh, affected by the tragedy itself that even though he went to do such an unlikely thing like mcconey was forcing him to go and get the rules changed because he wanted a better team and the guy drove all night comes back and mcconey lifts him on his shoulders when he you know when he says that you know he managed to do it and none of the memorable scenes actually happened on the football field because it really wasn't 
as the film wants it to be not about football like it was it's basically a grieving town looking for uh, sort of some semblance of normalcy and uh, i i remember reading that even uh, one these two uh, i think both of these films were even barack obama's uh, on some list that he used to watch <laughs> when he, he was younger which makes total sense actually yeah i the 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 actor who was uh, who who plays the uh, guy who goes and uh, yeah. who petitions yeah. that guy in the rain he, he's uh, david strathen strathen uh, he was in good night and good luck he played uh, all right he played the broadcaster he was really good yeah yeah uh, maru uh, edward maru right yeah uh, i'm going to uh, i'm going to change uh, uh, the the tone uh, and uh, head to iran uh, for my next pick uh, of course which you. is the anomi <laughs> one yeah uh, it's a film by jafar panahi uh, it's called yeah. offside it was made in 2006 uh, it's quite a remarkable film and it's uh, the premise is actually uh, something that existed till uh, till last year uh, which yeah. was that in in iran for decades and decades uh, women weren't allowed to attend uh, football games and uh, so what panahi does uh, in this and apparently this was inspired by something his daughter did though i, I don't know if that's accurate but uh, in the film a bunch of women try and sneak into a world cup qualifying game uh, dressed as men uh, and they're all strangers to each other they're all trying to sneak in uh, separately uh, but they're all caught and they're put in this uh, in this one van by by the police and they uh, they're held just outside the stadium so they can hear the crowd uh, inside uh, but they don't know what's going on so the the uh, the police guys they they sort of they start sympathizing after some time and and they start giving them uh, snippets of what's going on inside and it's it's quite a remarkable film because these um, uh, these uh, women are very uh, they are, they're all very different they're on uh, different levels of uh, orthodox and uh, they they all have very different lives but yeah. uh, they they're all crazy fans and i think that's something that sort of uh, unites them and uh, it's 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 something that actually happened in in iran for years and years and years it was in in 2018 uh, there was a, a a girl who who got really famous they called her blue girl uh, yeah. and she was spotted in one of those games and she was uh, caught and uh, sentenced to i think some months in prison and she set herself on fire and yeah. died which and- i think led to the decision in 2019 to finally yeah. allow uh, women to attend matches uh, yeah. and uh, it it was crazy when that happened because my first thought was was this film um, and you know like most of panahi's films it it uh, you get this feeling of of life just in unfolding in front of you uh, yeah. which is of course an illusion because he's really clever and it's all planned very well so just that the documentary feel is very much a feel it's actually yeah. not just something put together slapdash it's really uh, tightly done uh, 
but uh, it's 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 quite a remarkable film uh, rahul you uh, uh, did you uh, do you see this uh, back then uh, when do you no, did you come i actually watched it a couple of years ago when i was doing that massive football piece remember during the <laughs> for the world cup yes so offside was actually my segment you saw every football movie ever made ever yeah pretty much every football movie ever made like every documentary every fiction film so offside was actually my segue into the piece and uh, yeah i mean I, before that before i watched the the film then um, i always thought it was a documentary which is actually uh, a nice little ode to panai's filmmaking in general and yeah you're right uh, i mean offside is totally i mean for me i would have totally put this in the list but again you know it's it's just such a serious film as part of my trashy list that i sort of expected you to pick it so i'm just going to uh, ride on your coattails co- here and tell you that you know offside is probably uh, the best non american film out there here at least in this list yeah and second what um for me my golf my next pick would be like i was a big i'm i'm a big fan of golf films in general uh, i watch a, i used to watch a lot of golf i don't watch it as much now uh, but um, my next film is the greatest game ever played udai have you seen this i am actually very fond of this film you are because yeah. this beats tin cup for me because it's just I, i did sort of expect you to say a very fond of this film because it's a period golf film that's like a double udai right there like here we are having like i mean of course it was shia labouf like doing a very very good job of playing this sort of upstart amateur who actually wins the us open back in 1913 so this is a really proper pre first world war period film where golf is still a sport where you know amateurs and professionals sort of cohort in the same uh, sort of space but uh, i love the feel of this film and uh, y- you know i love the fact that this was this sort of is not like a modern sports film and it takes us back to an era where uh, these guys who are the champions who are the pro champions one from britain one from america all playing stereotypes in a way but yeah. you know smoking yeah. pipes on the field one is a fat overweight guy they just know how to use their golf clubs well it's just back in an era where athleticism uh, on its own wasn't a concept as much as skill so it felt like you know like a living room golf session but like on a very large scale and for me shia labouf's um, this was one of the early films i saw of shia labouf and uh, you know going it's a typical going from a caddy to a champion and having a father who disapproves of his of his uh, passion and it's a very basic sort of arc narrative arc but you know uh, this film it just works in every especially with the stereotypes it pulls off you know especially the uh, british defending champion and the american champions and all the older guys in the film they actually create a great sort of atmosphere around that makes me feel like you know golf is still that old school gentleman sport even though it isn't so much you have a lot of muscular guys playing it these days lot of champions are young under the age of 30 now this is back when everyone was above 40 or 50 and only old guys could sort of win the or, or be looked at as experts in the sport so i love that you know it sort of punctures that 
that aura of the sport and uh, yeah why is it uh, why is it so why are you so fond of this sport uh i i think so most mostly you covered uh, why i liked it i i do very much like that uh, the the british actor who plays um, who plays yeah. uh, harry warden um, yeah. uh, stephen delane uh, people when who is as stannis baratheon from uh, game of thrones yeah. uh, and uh, he's 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 a really good actor and yes <laughs> but he's also there in another uh, sports film that probably would have made our lists if we weren't doing the ones that are like really famous uh, which was goal he was the coach uh, oh, in goal yeah the coach which is a terrible film yeah. terrible, just a terrible film but very watchable and i've seen it an embarrassing number of times it's very watchable it's really <laughs> and it really captures like british football to down to its the dumbness of its pitch like it is great like i that, i i was the you know thinking though since uh, you mentioned how you know it's a period piece and like the early you yeah. know golf at a time when it was played a lot differently than it is now and that just uh, uh, it uh, that sort of reminds me that there there's this sort of sub sub genre within the sport genre thing uh, which is uh, uh, films about uh, uh, the early days of a sport and yeah. uh, you know those i'm one of my picks uh, coming up is going to be about that but uh, yeah. i just wanted to talk very briefly about this uh, series on 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 netflix right now called the english game which is uh, pretty much greatest game ever played uh, <laughs> but without the you know historical uh, importance and without any kind of fun in it it's uh, it's a series and uh, it's pretty much about class warfare and how uh, british football changed as a result of it and right. uh, it's a very uh, yeah it's it's sort of a lesson about how when you're making a sports film or series you don't want to deny people their genre staples and you don't want to sideline the sport and just make it all about you know whatever whatever else is going on in their lives which is what the english game does and which is why it's completely unsuccessful and it's it's very difficult to get through yeah uh, i've heard uh, not very good things about english game so thanks for uh, sort of giving me a lowdown i'm not going to go near that one uh, what you about it because i i i somehow dragged my way through it very unwillingly because i thought it might pick up at some point which it it did not right uh, yeah so i i was mentioning that uh, you know films that look at the early days of the sport there's uh, there's a film directed by george clooney called leatherheads uh, yes. made in 2008 uh, it's about uh, american football when it was just sort of the rules were not quite in place and the league was sort of in danger of coming across, uh, coming apart and it's it's, it's basically a screwball comedy uh, it, very uh, renee selvega plays a reporter 
uh, who's, who's like a fast talking Catherine Hepburn kind of uh, character. And she has <laughs> been in so many films, Renee Zellwinger. She, she's in uh, she's in Major League and Tin Cup and this one. She's really funny in this. Uh, she and uh, Clooney plays a, a, a football player in the 1920s, and uh, he's he's trying to sort of make uh, formalize the rules of football while also sort of uh, popularizing it. And uh, what he does is that he hires uh, uh, John Krasinski, who's a war hero uh, and oh. also a football player, to play for him. And you know that uh, that brings a lot of people, and then of course there's a rivalry between the two of them. But it's it's like a really uh, uh, silly, uh, very fun film. Uh, we, and it, there's one uh, there's one great scene which I thought has uh, has everything uh, which is uh, you know which the English game did not, which is that right at the end, like in in the final game, and it's like a really tense moment, and everyone's covered in mud, and Clooney calls a timeout, and he's talking to his team, and they're in a huddle, and that's the yeah. place where uh, people usually do like a big you know a big speech and uh, inspirational speech, and they go on to win. Uh, Clooney just looks around at his team, and he laughs. And he says, "You guys are having fun," and everyone's surprised. And then they start yeah. laughing, and they're like, "Yeah." And oh, nice. I, I thought that's just such a good moment out there because this was like before the sports become professional and like a lot of uh, different interests come. It's basically people just playing it for the love of the game. And I thought that moment was as good a distillation of that as as any I've seen. Ah, nice. I'm actually surprised I haven't watched that film, but it does sound like it has all my favorite uh, actors. Yeah, I think I got confused with Zelwenga and Russo, but yeah, um, I'm. My next film is the. It's an uh, actually another baseball film. It's called The Rookie, and it stars Dennis Quaid, um, with who's again another very sort of Kevin Costnerish actor. Who's not really gotten his due, but he does these kind of roles really well. He plays like a high school science teacher, like this 35-year-old father uh, who used to be a baseball player at one point of time, but he uh, suffered like a elbow injury and never made it. And his father uh, sort of always resents him for that. And his high school students basically uh, win a bet and they make him. uh try for the uh, try for the you know try to audition for a minor league team uh and to sort of take his baseball career back up at you know age 35 or 36 his wife is reluctant you know he has to pay the bills and you know the minor league doesn't pay enough but he still goes for the uh for the tryouts and he uh, gets selected and you know this film is uh, again this film uh, i remember one moment more distinctly than others uh Quaid of course is like really good at playing you know uh, the sort of neither here nor there characters and there's something about his face there's this one scene where um, nobody believes in him except his students of course so he's practicing uh, in the middle of a highway he stops his car uh, he takes his baseball and you know he's a pitcher so he he sort of there's the speed gun there's those speed guns on the american highways that show the speed of the cars that are passing by the uh, and so he 
throws the ball uh, to test out if he uh, to test himself to see if he still has the speed he used to have as a teenager and right. he sees it's some he sees like a very weird number like a i don't know like a 55 or something miles an hour and he should he expected he wanted to be above 80 to you know have the confidence mm-hmm. to go for a tryout and then he gets back into his car and he drives off and suddenly the the you know the speed gun sort of uh, inverts the number like half the number didn't show and it goes to 95 it was actually 95 which he didn't see so the film so he spends another 15 minutes of the film still being underconfident and thinking he's throwing at 55 until you know uh, the kids really like make him sort of go for it and it's a really nice underdog story again nothing nothing massive but it just gets the beats right and it uh, it has all the makings of a nice little uh, you know i'd imagine if i had to put a real world face to someone like his character and this it'd be someone like michael lassie you know the aussie yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. who started sort of who entered the australian team late in life of course he was playing cricket all his life but you know sort of started his australian international career at like 832 or 33 and yeah i mean it's it's always nice to see these uh, very understated uh, baseball films in a culture that loves to overstate its sport right absolutely i'm um, i'm going to uh, talk about a surfing film from 2002 called blue crash have you seen it yeah i've seen it <laughs> who has <laughs> i again this is uh, totally linked to my uh, long afternoons home from school watching yeah. uh, tv uh, days um because it, uh, i i don't know if i would have picked this film out uh, if it was today like on a streaming platform uh, but uh, it's 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 so good and it it would keep coming on tv so i keep watching it yeah. uh, it's basically about a surfer in hawaii uh, played by uh, kate bosworth uh, right. who's uh, entered this uh, uh, surfing competition yeah. but she has like again a very sports uh, movie staple a memory of a very bad the uh, wipeout which she had while she was surfing and she had an accident and since then her confidence has been damaged so the whole movie is basically building up to this time when she's going to overcome that and have this perfect wave and she's going to yeah hide it perfectly and uh, it's it's that simple really but it's uh, i mean first of all it has crazy good surfing scenes it's right. it's i think the best surfing scenes that i have uh, that i have come across in in, in any film and uh, it has a different energy uh, from the films uh, rest of the films on on this list and i i guess like uh, it's not too difficult to see why because this is possibly the only one with a uh, female protagonist and yeah. uh, it it does have a slightly different energy uh, from from those um again um it's uh, it was uh, weirdly from a long form piece by this author called Susan Orlean and yeah. uh, the weird piece of trivia uh, that uh, that i'd like to throw at you is that uh, another of her pieces which then became a book 
later became a such a different movie that became adaptation basically spike jones's adaptation oh. in which meryl yeah. streep basically plays her plays susan ah. got it yeah uh, yeah so if if your writing can inspire films as different as adaptation and blue crush then blue yeah. crush yeah totally then you're doing something right uh yeah i mean now that you mentioned surfing films i don't know for some reason yeah blue crush is it and it has like as you said some of the best live action surfing scenes i've seen it reminds me of the other uh, surfing film i don't know if you watched the animated film surfs up uh <laughs> with the one with the penguins like you know getting into the surfing competition and you know shia labouf again playing like this upstart penguin who wants to like sort of ride the biggest wave and win that upstart competition and uh, that's great yeah it's great it's so imaginative it has jeff bridges playing this you know ex champion penguin who comes back from the dead it's uh, it, it got me it, it it actually reminds me of blue crash in many ways like a very 2007 version of it but uh, yeah i'm uh, my uh, then my next film is um, have you seen mcfarland usa no no i haven't yeah so it's again one of those lazy afternoons couple of years ago i just caught it on star movies it just seemed to be coming and again what is a sports films list without kevin costner on it so uh, it's just costner playing this grumpy sort of you know middle aged coach who shifts towns and enters this hispanic you know town where you know he's sort of in the minority and it's full of latino farm workers and their children so he joins this very uh, back of beyond college as a as a football coach but he gets fired for you know pulling something off so and then he notices that all the kids the latino kids are sort of very uh, physically fit and active from working in the farms all morning and then come into school so they literally run to school miles and miles so he convinces the principal to start a cross country running team so this is the only cross country running film that you know i've seen which does such a good job of and then this is of course based on a true story where this cross country running team goes on to win seven national titles over the next 10 years and he's the coach and uh, he basically inspires them to convert their hardships which is basically you know their very physical uh, blue collar labor background into this um, into a they they beat all the other high schools all these professional sort of uh, white uh, sort of uh, conditioned athletes with all their fancy equipment to all these cross country races and i thought I, the most remarkable distinct aspect of this film is the way the the races are shot in general because you know cross country running isn't a sport we most of us are familiar with even as movie watchers or sports film lovers so it's sort of that marathon sport where you can it's more like a tag team thing like a relay race but in like long form and it it gives the director or the filmmakers great opportunity to make you know to treat each race like a film in itself unlike other uh, sports say like ice hockey or like football where you know you have to really uh, amp up the tempo but here you know even the sports portions feel like a natural extension of filmmaking of the film so i think this film like and it stays with me it's shot very interestingly with these you know 
uh, with these very summer tones and uh, the cinematography sort of is very distinct in that manner it gives you that whole aspect of these these kids always sweating in this region but somehow developing this crazy resilience within within their bodies to become like these unlikely champions so yeah i mean i'd definitely recommend this film uh, to everyone out there sounds great uh, and back to baseball for my next uh, that's um, a film called 42 uh, yes yeah. uh, a 2013 film about uh, jackie robinson Yeah. If I'm not mistaken, was the first uh, black ball player in Major League Baseball. Yes. Um, uh, Chadwick Boseman uh, um, plays uh, plays Jackie Robinson, and uh, he plays him brilliantly. He is. Yeah. And for and what what I thought was uh, very interesting was that in in 2030, this is a 2013 film. Uh, in 2014, he's in another biopic, playing another American legend, uh, James Brown, uh, yeah, in, in the film called Get On Up. Yeah. And uh, it's a completely different film, a completely different performance. Out here, Chadwick Boseman very, he's very stoic, and yeah. uh, he has a temper, but he's sort of keeping it under wraps. And he's, uh, and but in Get On Up, he's just, he's just nuts. He's completely. Uh, outgoing and uh, because he's james brown yeah and uh, so i i that that one two punch of uh, of biopics uh, from chadwick boseman if anyone was following him before, before. black panther yeah, no. you knew that he was he was going to be like a big star because anyone who could go from 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 that you know do these two uh, so close together I I think they're both remarkable performances, especially James Brown, which I thought was just just stunning. And uh, it's it's a very fun film. Uh, it's just Harrison Ford has this great. I really <laughs> the casting of Harrison Ford. He just he he Ford just hams hams through the film, but like really entertainingly, and he just sort of gives it this sort of beautiful winsome uh, energy and. Uh, Hamish Linklater is uh, is is uh, Jackie Robinson's teammate, and he's also really funny. Yeah. Uh, I again just a film that I think hits the beats really well. Uh, yeah. What did you uh, What did you like about it? I yeah, as you said, I I kind of I mean Chadwick Boseman back then obviously a lot of people didn't know him, and for me this was obviously I remember uh, talking to you about this film and you immediately. uh mentioning uh the other biopic and i'm like and and 42 is a film i did watch pretty early and i especially loved the scenes with harrison ford and him in this film and and and, and even though uh, you know the whole racism aspect of it especially the other that opposing white coach played by that very familiar actor uh, alan alan tudyk talent to dick yeah right the yeah. red head uh, actor and uh, i mean he really really gets on like he pushes it to as far as like uh, you know like as far as sort of white supremacy evil white supremacy can go and i found those scenes amazing where he's really pushing chadwick boseman and boseman is like re- really trying to be as stoic as possible until his teammates have enough and sort of feel the need or are ashamed into defending him 
yeah. And and that's a great scene because you know that again it's perhaps something that is uh, is particular to this genre but the controlling the pace of 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 a sports film is absolutely uh, completely important i mean it's important in any film yeah. but out here like the uh, the the uh, the use of a good explosion of of energy anger whatever in a sports film it can't it can't be underrated it's just what what makes it you have to have these sort of lulls and then these uh, kind of crazy bursts of energy and that that scene was a very good example yeah exactly uh, my last film my last pick is uh, this documentary called next goal wins uh again it's one of my football list which i had to go into research a couple of years ago but this was by far my favorite of all those films i had to write about uh it's basically a documentary about the worst football team worst international football team in the world called the american samoa football team which is ranked the lowest and it's about um an outsider coach being hired like a dutch coach being hired to sort of take them into the 2014 world cup qualifiers the uh, the brazil world cup and mm-hmm. it's basically for them to qualify for the qualifiers so this is one of their uh, region qualifiers with all the other islands and basically a coach it's two cultures clashing a european coach coming in to teach a bunch of locals to not make fools of themselves because before this the american samoa football team was infamous for losing by a world record 31 goals to australia in 2001 they lost 31 nil and the best part about it is that the goalkeeper who let in those 31 goals is still the goalkeeper in 2014 and for him it's like a mental it's it's absolutely a mental <laughs> mindfuck to go back and try to sort of redeem himself after being known as the only goalkeeper to let in those goals so uh, it's such a lovely coming of age sort of very wholesome film and you know even though it's a documentary it feels so much like a fiction film which is why i'm not surprised that last year or a couple of years ago or no i think earlier last year it was announced that uh, uh, taika watiti is going to direct the the fictional version of the film and, yeah and it's going to start fastbender as the coach so and now come to think of it that's pretty good casting because and also the documentary was famous for because you know you feel like a lot of characters are stereotypes in fictional films they are written to sort of satisfy various aspect but this film actually has those real people on which we which we would call caricatures in any other you know film um, fictional film and it, it, it it's also famous for having the first transgender player to play at a fifa qualifier and her a uh, narrative in this particular documentary is uh, is very um, heartwarming and it it has some it has some of the best um, uh, the best last 10 minutes i've seen like in a sports film and like i'm talking across mediums and i'd love to see what taika watiti does because it is that quirky because it's a very funny documentary at the same time because the dutch coach cannot understand the american samoa culture for the life of him like he can't even understand their language most mm-hmm. of the time and he has like this spats on the football field with their lazy players and he tries to like 
uh, infuse in them like his European, like very straight culture. Uh, and, you know, it's always about like that clash that really was basically meant to be on a big screen. So I'm going to wait for the uh, Waikiki film. So it, it's going to be, I mean, probably what it needs. Sounds great. I, I haven't caught this yet, so I'll, I'll try and get hold of I, this. I think the document is one of the streaming platforms. Yeah, do, before you do watch, when whenever Waikiki does make the fictional film, you should watch this documentary before because it's it's going to give you all the feels we've had about sports for our last few decades. Thanks. Have you, uh, before we round, I mean, before we end the podcast, I'd, I was... I wanted to ask if you have any opinions on why Indian films and why Hindi films haven't managed sports films the way a lot of uh, right. other cultures have. Like we do have the Chakde, we do have the Lagan, but you know, it's just, it's still slim pickings. And it's, it's you know, for example, I, I was thinking hard to sort of include like, would I, should I include Iqbal as part of this list and all. But even, yeah. you know, it's it's a very sort of, uh, it's a somehow we always you think that you know uh, sports and films are religions here. You think sports is a, a dramatiz- uh, dramatization of life, uh, films are a dramatization of life, but we somehow manage to dra- double dramatize it and it becomes like like an overdose of a lot of uh, sort of tropes that and a very hurried uh, genre in this country for some reason. Absolutely. Uh, I'll just get to that. I had one more pick left. Uh, yeah. I, uh, just um, very quickly, it's mm. uh, it's a film by Oliver Stone called Any Given Sunday. Yeah. Uh, there's an argument to be made that uh, Stone invented vulgar autourism with this film. <laughs> <laughs> it, it is the craziest film. I, I, I definitely do not think it's a good film, but yeah. it is just such a hyperactive, crazy, violent, in-your-face, ridiculous film that uh, it's it's just a singular sort of experience. Uh, Al Pacino plays the coach of this um, I remember. <laughs> uh, pro-American football team that's now slipping. And, uh, it's just like, uh, it, it's just a crazy uh, experience um, and also very very violent and I think it's one of the most honest films about how brutal, uh, almost surreal uh, in its violence American football is. Right. Uh, because it just, uh, it's, uh, you see the slightly romanticized version in a lot of the other films uh, in the list, you know, remember the Titans in Via Martial. Yeah. This yeah. just, it does not look pretty and bones are breaking, teeth are coming out. Yeah blood is flying and it's just it looks ugly and it's nuts so yeah and uh, i i think it's on netflix so yeah I imagine oliver stone made this film like i yeah. i remember uh, even after watching it i'd have guessed like this sort of uncompromised brutality of the sport which are very few films as you said deal with few american films tend to deal with this yeah and given that it has faces like al pacino and all, I think it does a very surreal, but like, a, I wouldn't say a great job, but it does a very effective job of bringing across that aspect right. of the sport. Yeah. So, yeah, 
Yeah, about about the Indian films. Yeah, I think there is uh, one huge problem which is there for most of the films, which is which are made in India, sports films that are made here, which is that they don't get the sports right. Yeah, and uh, you can't make a sports film without getting the sports right. It's impossible. You you cannot make a good sports film. You you just cannot do it. Mm. So. you know something like uh, uh ms dhoni yeah. uh, there were good things and bad things about the film i think more bad things than good things but yeah. it it wouldn't have mattered if the rest of the film was brilliant because with those cricket scenes yeah it would still have been a terrible film if the rest of it had like been mughal e azam yeah <laughs> those cricket scenes it would still have sucked Mm. and you see this in film after film after film which is why the ones which actually get it right uh, we can count on the fingers of one hand yeah even won't even take up all the fingers yeah. you know something <laughs> like angal um right. to to some extent chak de and the sports pretty well actually the hockey parts of it at least yeah there it's 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 quite good lagan for its time was actually pretty good also you know i i think one film that actually gets cricket at least the anatomy of shooting cricket better than the others is kaipoch hai even though it's not a sport yeah. no i agree with you yeah, yeah. it has some really really good practice sequences where you know that yeah. the muslim kid uh, sort of plays in the net and Yeah, I think it really gets the cricket. It's a pity that you know it. It was sort of it's it's basically a subplot in that film. But uh, yeah, that was a rare film that got the you know the got the pace, the rhythm, the the look of cricket right. And it's very rare because a lot of films get cricket wrong. The reason I keep thinking Iqbal but never pick it is because the cricket scenes were really tacky. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, and. if that goes for again you had mentioned brothers earlier when we were talking about warrior oh yeah and uh, sultan also which i which is a film that's actually grown on me i uh, but again the, the mma scenes are uh, are terrible yeah they are <laughs> and the, the cricket films of course are the worst and i'm i'm quite worried for 83 because oh I, yeah there's no escape huh? No. <laughs> so yeah. yeah, I think the the hunt for good Indian sports films pretty much uh, continues with a few exceptions. Yeah, let's. I guess that's a sort of somber note to end the podcast with. But still, uh, I mean, we sports going to be back at some point. Films are going to be back. Uh, speaking about eighty three, uh, I know. for some reason there's an entire generation which is my basically the older generation that's really excited about it because for them it's like you know ms dhoni basically at this point and it's my parents for example and they are really keen to see what they make of kapil dev how they shoot the cricket of course you and me are little wary about that and totally understandably so uh, so yeah this has been a fun chat and uh, yeah let's do this again and we'll hopefully have something as interesting as sports films to talk about thanks so that yeah okay this is great